Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Bradley Akubiro. Bradley, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm great, Brent. How are you? I'm very, very well. Well, Bradley, I'm always happy to talk to someone from my hometown, Chicago, Illinois. Bradley is a partner at Bully Pulpit Interactive. Bully Pulpit Interactive is doing quite a wide variety of advisory activities. It's a company founded by leaders of the Obama-Biden campaigns and administration. Bradley leads their practices focused on corporate reputation, executive communications, crisis management, as well as equity, diversity, and inclusion matters for all of the clients. And so Bradley, you're a busy man these days, but before we get into all the work that you're doing at Bully Pulpit Interactive, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Yeah, happy to. And, and, and Ben, thanks again for having me on the show. This is this is uh, great to be able to talk about some of this. You know, my career's taken a lot of different kind of uh, twists and turns, but you know, you can kind of sum it up in a few different categories. One, I spent time doing real advocacy work. I spent time working for Reverend Jesse Jackson and later in Liberia post-Civil War, which was fascinating. I was wildly underqualified, um, but learned a ton and did some really, really cool stuff. Um, and, and here in Chicago with Reverend Jackson. So, you know, um, once a Chicago and always a Chicago and bit. Absolutely. <laughs> and I should say, I mean, early on in my career, I worked for CNN. And Reverend Jackson had a show on CNN yeah. at the time, and I actually worked on writing for his show a little bit. And That's what cool. a wonderful guy. Such a charismatic figure. As you move forward in life, you realize what a rare quality that is, you know, yeah. that, kind of that charisma that certain people have, right? So, yeah, remarkably special so. leader, special leader. Yeah, 100%. And I learned a ton. I mean, these were the formative years for me. Uh, I was really able to get a sense. My, my advising was on three different issues, education reform, immigration reform, and, and youth violence prevention, um, with a real focus on that last one here in Chicago. And so, you know, for me, I, I grew up in a situation where uh, I lost my best friend uh, to a drive-by shooting that, frankly, I would have been at had a I not been uh, in a car with my family, taking my sister off to college. And so, you know, the things that I worked on weren't abstract. It wasn't just professional for me. This is really close to home. And so, you know, it was an incredible period of my life. We did some pretty amazing things. Reverend Jackson used that incredible charisma you talked about, his intellect to help us really move the needle on some big issues. Um, and, you know, that was kind of the advocacy part of my career. Incredible. Uh, after that, I went more into a little bit of advisory work, and, and that's kind of similar to what I'm doing now, but at Booz Allen Hamilton, you know, how do we roll out the Affordable Care Act? What does that look like to not just pass law, but at this point, how do we stand up things like state health exchanges? What does that look like? You know, if we say that we need more critical mental health providers, 
on basis for folks who are returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. How do you actually get people to want to put on a uniform for a couple of years and do that work to make sure we had the capacity for the folks who were going to need it? Um, and that work was was really fascinating for me and helped me see the world from a different side. You know, how do we advocate for that, get the policy, then how do you actually make it happen uh, yeah. in real life? Um, and then the last piece of it really has been around the, the kind of corporate uh, engagement and communications piece of this. And this has been crisis. It's been MA. It was time as Boeing's chief spokesperson after um, the plane crashes, the Boeing 737 MAX and, and um, Starliner's failure to launch. So many things that kind of happened in that space on a global scale with an iconic multinational corporation. Um, and and an, um, a really, really formative time in my career also. Uh, but what's nice about Bully Pulpit to bring it to where we are now is that it pulls on all of the different threads that I've had a chance to work on. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, what a great name, Bully Pulpit Interactive, <laughs> yeah. you know, because in some ways it really sums up that idea of taking areas of need, areas of change, and then marrying it with action, like making yeah. it happen. So tell me more about what you guys are up to at Bully Pulpit Interactive. Yeah, I love that you love the name and appreciate the name. You know, if you know about, you know, the Bully Pulpit and you, and you kind of think about things that way, it really kind of typifies what we do and what we stand for. Um, you know, you hit on this right in the beginning, but Bully Pulpit was started by, you know, folks who came out of that first Obama campaign and who were really thinking about how you take what at the time, and it sounds funny now, but at the time was this new advent of social media, particularly, um, and create a model of digital persuasion um, that leveraged that to connect people and not only to each other, which was super important, but to this collective vision of what we could be. And that really, really resonated with folks who bought into um, Obama's message and, and created that kind of concept of hope that we've become so familiar with uh, in association with that campaign. Um, you know, what you kind of realize after work like that is that, you know, it doesn't just apply in politics, it applies all across the spectrum. And so, you know, the work we do is with um, campaigns, of course, but also with big foundations and causes, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates and Human Rights Foundation uh, campaign and, and a number of others, uh, but also uh, to corporates. And that's where I spend the majority of my time uh, with a number of very big uh, companies across the spectrum from, you know, cannabis to fashion to big industrial companies that are all kind of grappling with these questions of how do we exist in this world um, differently than we have in the past, because the moment we're in calls for a different type of engagement from its leaders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really does require a different way of approaching things. And certainly, one of the big areas that I would say there was quite a bright light shined over the last couple of years during the pandemic was the diversity, equity and inclusion space and how leaders approach that space. Tell me a little bit about your experience with that over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's it's a great question. And, and you know, there are kind of multiple places that folks engage in a conversation like this, and, and some of them are starker than others. But there is the, you know, clients that I've had in companies I've worked with where, you know, employees have received nooses on their desks. You know, um, these are really hostile kind of uh, situations that you're not only thinking about, you know, the the, the small things and, and how are your performance reviews and all that kind of stuff shaped, but really in your face, can I feel safe in this environment? 
type of, of instances. And they're not as rare as you would think. You know, it's, yeah. it's the 2020s and these things are happening consistently um, across our country. So I think, you know, one piece of it uh, is really kind of focusing on how do you create a culture in which people can feel safe being themselves um, and, and are um, supported and, and cared for and empowered to be that. Um, yeah. The, the yes. second... The second piece of it, just to kind of you know put the other piece there, and, and then I and I hope we'll we'll talk a little bit more about both is how do you think about that culture on a day to day level, um, mm-hmm. and what does that mean for how you recruit people, how you retain people, how you make them feel valued, how they feel engaging in rooms, um, and you know again being themselves and, and authentically being themselves, and that I think is the part where most of the struggle you see that folks have exists. Yeah, you're nailing it right on the head. I feel one can't really argue with the positive sentiment that happened, you know, coming out of some of the horrible kind of uh, social issues we saw in 2020. But the sentiment was right. I mean, you saw lots and lots of leaders say the right things and in some cases kind of superficially act. But the challenge is how do you make that systemic? How do you really build it? So I love what you're saying. You know, how do you get the whole company, the talent of a company to embrace that? It's easy to say, but it's hard to change systems, right? I mean, it's hard to change systems. I can see that you guys are focused on that. And I mean, I wanted to kind of piggyback off of that question really with the fact that I'm looking at your background, Bradley, and I'm looking at your involvement at Bully Pulpit Interactive and you joined the company really in the middle of the pandemic, kind of coming <laughs> off of some of that, those things that happened in 2020. Tell me about your experience joining a company, working on this stuff over the last couple of years and, you know, maybe some of the challenges that you faced and some of the opportunities also that might have sprung from that. Yeah, I will start off by saying, along with the, you know, millions of people who switched jobs or took on new jobs in the middle of the pandemic, that anytime you're trying to meet people in a new environment and engage meaningfully in a new environment where you're not physically able to actually shake hands and look with, you know, another person in the eye, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Um, And I think we've all been kind of forced to think a little bit differently about what, um, uh, what engagement in this workforce climate really means? You know, how much uh, is it is it crucially important for us to be face to face? But what elements of that do we really want to hold on to um, in this next phase so we can keep some of that magic? And you know, if you're the type of company where your culture is a big selling point for you, um, but you ha- are, are unable to get folks to be face to face, I mean, that's a massive value proposition you had that's kind of out the window if you're not able to do that. And so we've been spending a little time here, both internally at Bully Pulpit and with clients trying to think through a little bit of what does it mean to be able to create um, both a culture and environment uh, that people want to be part of and that they see themselves being better um, individuals uh, for having been part of than they would have been without it. And that's that's kind of where the magic is at. It's so interesting that you said that because this hybrid structure or this world of <laughs> hybrid work, I don't know what you want to call it. It's fascinating because certainly I think every finance director in America said, oh my God, if I don't have to pay for retail or real estate costs, I'm going to save my company a ton of money. But I think you're hitting on something that I've thought about, I've remarked on a couple of times, which is 
that's fine. You might save a couple bucks on not having a desk, but you better reinvest that in the culture. Yeah. You know, you better reinvest it in the culture. Or you're going to end up with nothing because the way that culture will manifest itself for a company might change in a hybrid structure. But man, you're going to have to find ways to get people together in different ways, either digitally, maybe at events. I don't know. But I mean, you really, you really have to overinvest in culture. So I think you're spot on. And that's such a key learning from the last couple of years. But let me kind of go back to some of the stuff that you're working on. You manage a lot of big practices for the Bully Pulpit Interactive. And, you know, some of the things I know you're touching on, a reputation management, as well as DE&I, what are some of the big things that you're seeing right now that are some of the trends that customers are thinking about or focused on? Yeah, you know, I love the transition in this conversation because one of the biggest things that we're thinking about right now is the war for talent. And as you think through now, companies trying to figure out um, what do we do uh, to attract and retain people during what we've kind of all deemed this great resignation, um, you know, that's a big, significant uh, opportunity area. I like to see it as because you got this question of, you know, what does my company mean to you? And the employer-employee relationship has changed a little bit. You know, folks are now looking for um, additional flexibility that wasn't part of the contract before. They want um, belonging. They want psychological safety um, is, um, you know, a big piece of what folks are looking for. And so, you know, employers are now on the hook to offer those things, but to do it meaningfully, to do it, to do it genuinely. And so, you know, the test that we always put up, and this is one of my favorite ones, is the cocktail party test, right? You go to a cocktail party um, and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, Ben, what do you do, right? Yeah. Do you say, oh, you know, I am uh, in communications or, or I, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I run my company, or are you really excited to say, you know, I work for, I, I work for an organization that does X, yeah. Y, and Z, and it's really yeah. exciting. And let me tell you why, you know, I think the big challenge that companies are finding is that the bar to get people to say that second thing has been risen, you know? Yeah. And that's the challenge that we're trying to help folks solve. Yeah. It's also, I think, you know, you're hitting on something else, which is this change, I'd say, maybe the younger generation, but I think it's a change for all of us, which is the pandemic forced us into one another's homes. You know, yeah. it literally forced us into one another's homes. I mean, I got to know my colleagues in ways that I didn't know them before. I was like, oh, you have a dog and a parrot and they're in every one of our meetings now. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you get to know people in a much more holistic way, which I think is somehow part of what you're getting at, which is you have to somehow connect the culture of a business, the purpose of a business with that holistic person in a bigger way than when you would have done it for a job, right? You know, like it's a different thing and it's such a step change and it's an exciting step change actually. And I can see how all the work that you're doing is really important in driving companies in that direction. But Bradley, I mean, I'm going to ask you to be a little bit of a Nostradamus here. You know, over the next kind of six to 18 months, we find ourselves again, you know, right from the pandemic, you know, right into a, 
right into the fire, like frying pan into the fire here with inflation and all of these lovely issues that are facing us from around the world. What does the next 18 months look like for you guys? Well, the next 18 months is uh, first going to be marked with a new election. Um, mm -hmm. We will potentially have a new Congress. We will have um, different levels of, of, of government that will be shifting here in November to start. And so that's, you know, for the political side of the business, something that folks are really thinking a lot about. Yeah, but yeah. if you're a company, and, you know, I have a lot of, you know, corporate leaders who are thinking about this, how does the conversation shift in a Republican dominated uh, uh, Washington, for example, particularly around these conversations of ESG? Um, you know, if you're a company that is currently out there trying to figure out, you know, after um, the Dobbs decision came down and what do we do with our employees um, who uh, are no longer going to have access to abortion, for example, regardless of where you stand on the issue, you do have an employee challenge that you're now trying to solve. And the act of doing that is going to be um, received very differently by um, a different set of political leaders. And so, you know, I think folks are trying to figure out, you know, what are the things that I'm willing to talk about and take stands on? What are the things that I want to do quietly and, and have my employees, um, you know, best interests top of mind? And, and what does that look like to do that? And what are the things that I've engaged on previously around a host of different issues that I have to kind of shift the calculus on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, wow, it's funny, Bradley. Believe it or not, with all of the things that are happening right now in the world, the political change that we're looking at in November is probably like the fourth one on my list going, like, oh, oh, my God, we have that as well. And that's a pretty significant one, right? That's that could really change the whole tenor of everything that's happening right now. Bradley, the stuff that you and the team at Bully Pulpit Interactive is very important. If someone wanted to learn more about what you and the team are doing, where should they go to find out about it? Yeah, start with the website, um, bpimedia.com. Uh, you know, you can follow us on all the social channels at BPI Media. You can find us. Um, you know, we're, we're fun. You know, we've got some things going on. And I think, uh, you know, if you have any inclination to explore some of the things we talked about earlier today, then definitely check us out. Excellent. Well, Bradley, thank you so much for being on the Uncaged show today. We've been speaking with Bradley Akubiro. He is a partner at Bully Pulpit Interactive. It's an advisory firm founded by the leaders of the Obama-Biden campaigns and administration, and he leads their practices in corporate reputation, executive communications, high visibility crisis management and media relations, as well as their efforts in equity, diversity, and inclusion. We've been talking about a lot of issues today, a lot of on the DEI issues, a lot of how to actually make sure that the messaging and the change filters through the whole organization as we really try to kind of push these companies to the next level as well as some of the big changes that we have on the horizon that will reshape the landscape for all of us. Bradley, thank you so much for being on Uncaged, and we look forward to having you back. Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks again, Ben. Cheers. Cheers.